Welcome to another episode of Life Unexpected Podcast. My guest today is a very, very special lady. Her name is Elizabeth Dumas, and we met um, at a church that we both attended before COVID, and it got shut down and all those things, Um, but she just is one of those ladies that is a light in my life, and as soon as we met, I was just like, oh my gosh, she is... I just want to know everything about her, and I've always wanted to sit down with her and ask her questions about her life, and now I get to. Like, this is going to be so interesting and so fun. So, hi, Elizabeth. Hello, Amanda. You're very <laughs> sweet. That was a nice introduction. Oh, you're welcome. I, I mean it. I think you're just an amazing woman, and I well, love... I've enjoyed uh, meeting and getting to know the last few years you and Rusty and the boys, and forward to this tonight i uh was telling rusty about how i wanted to interview some of the ladies from the church he goes you really just need to interview elizabeth because she's <laughs> awesome and she's funny and <laughs> i was like yes i'm gonna interview- <laughs> oh my not too much pressure there, <laughs> he just adores I, you it's so cute i enjoyed getting to know rusty when uh there was a period there we were able to work together same shifts at the food pantry yes yeah yeah, that's when i got to know rusty a little bit and his wicked sense of humor (laughs) (laughs) he does have a wicked sense of humor that is so true oh yeah oh yeah so elizabeth runs um or helps run our uh, food pantry in our town and has for years how many years have you been doing that now well, it's been about five or six years, I mean, shortly it, after I moved here. Yeah, she, uh, if it wasn't for her and um, another lady named Amy, I mean, this food pantry would have died a long time ago. Well, there's lots of volunteers. Yes. I mean, many, many volunteers that make it possible because, of course, two people could never do it. But yes. We've been very blessed. People from our church and people from surrounding church churches and just in the community all help to make our H2O food pantry a success. Yes, absolutely. Volunteers have just, it just amazes me when we used to be at church and you guys would, you know, have a report on Sundays about how many volunteers and how many families we had to serve yeah. and or we got to serve and things of that. And it was just it every week it amazed me. And I just, yeah. I feel so blessed to have been a part of that. And my family and been a part of that. our uh, end of the year report, you know, we do for our numbers um, to see. I don't have it in front of me, but what I do remember is our, we're, you know, a small operation, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but like in 2020, we distributed over 154,000 pounds of food. Wow. So, yeah, we were wow. very happy we were able to do that. And I'm going to brag a little bit on it and say uh, when COVID hit last spring, you know, many local food pantries had to close. They just couldn't mm-hmm. carry on. But uh, we have never missed a Saturday, not missed a day. And we've been able, and that's through community support and all of our volunteers. Yes. Uh, it, it's taken that. But our numbers have increased to an average of about 60 a week to sometimes as high as 150. Oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah. That just gave me chill bumps. 
I just, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that's there to help those in need. So you moved to Northwest Arkansas, um, you said five years ago? It's been six. Six years it, ago? Yeah, a little over six, 2014. 2014. I um, lived in Monroe, Louisiana, which is in the northeast quadrant of the state, and um, had retired. Uh, and uh, all the family had moved away. I have two sons, Michael and Matthew. Uh, Matthew, uh, Matthew was up here in Centerton with his wife, Angela, and my little grandson. And so that we had talked several years about my retirement and they wanted me to come move up here, which, you know, it's always nice to hear when your kids want you to come. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, when I retired, I sold my house there and moved up here. I was familiar with the area because I'd been coming, you know, well, they've been here several years. Mm-hmm. And so I never had any idea I would end up in northwest Arkansas. You know, I've, I've marveled at times looking back over my life at, because um, I'm a planner. I set goals. <laughs> I make to-do lists. I know what I'm going to do. Well, ha-ha. You know, <laughs> Sometimes God in the universe has different ideas. Sometimes they have other plans, yes, ma'am. Yes, and so um, I was born and raised in Louisiana, never intended to leave, didn't think I would ever, you know. So here I am, and I love this area, just love it. And, of course, being near family, and then my older son moved here about five years ago from Charleston. So I've gotten both of my two little chicks they would die if they heard me say that. <laughs> uh, my two sons <laughs> uh, here with me. Our family's small, but we're all up here together. And the extended family scattered everywhere. Yeah. Well, that's so cool. So um, what did you retire from doing? Well, I had been, uh, I was a school librarian for uh, a little over 35 years. And I had worked in public library prior to that for a few years. And then I had taught, uh, a few years before that, taught high school English. My degree was in English education, and that was my plan. That's what I had on my list. I would be uh, an English teacher, high school English teacher. Of course, I love books. I love reading. all that kind of things uh, and writing and stuff. So that was my, that's what I was going to do. And I knew where I wanted to teach, which was there locally, you know, and everything. And like we said earlier, you know, God in the universe has different plans for us sometimes. So when I was at college as a freshman settling on my major and minor, um, I knew I was going to go into English education, mm-hmm. and my advisor said, "We had okay, but you have to have a minor too." Well, I had no idea what to do as a minor because I knew what I was going to do. Right, right. He said, "Well, take library, do a library science minor. You know that goes along with it." So I said, "Sure." You know, of course, I love library. Having no idea that the you know ninety five percent of my career would end up being a librarian. And uh, so that was kind of a, you know, twist and turn. And uh, thanks to, you know, people come in our lives a lot of times 
And I've come to believe at my ripe old age now that uh, people come into our lives often for a reason. And so I had that and had mentors and good friends that helped steer me to some other opportunities. So yeah, librarian most of my career and um, that I actually have taught taught classes everything from preschool up through adult ed in some oh wow i did not know that that's awesome help yeah i worked at a preschool uh at one time and then was school librarian in an elementary school middle school high school taught high school english did a long stint of uh teaching technology classes uh in adult ed at our local university and back back in the dinosaur days when uh, <laughs> Stop. the internet, I was teaching people what the internet was. Oh my gosh, really? When you know it wasn't a graphical interface like we enjoy now. Right. You had to know DOS. Yeah. You gave it DOS commands, you know. So way back when, yes, I was teaching people in the community what this internet thing was so oh that's so cool that was that was fun i worked during you know when i went to college um and took library science classes the librarian was pretty much the gatekeeper of all the books Mm -hmm. in the library and you uh took care of all the books maintained helped people find books and the rest of the time, you stood behind the desk, you know, shushing people. <laughs> I can totally see you doing stamping, that. Too. You know, stamping the due dates back on the cards for them to bring back. But, <laughs> well, you know, that was the stereotypical. That's not really all they did. But, you know, that was kind of the image. And, oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, through my career as school librarian, that paradigm shifted tremendously and uh, librarians came out from behind the desk and um, we began collaborating with teachers and administrators and helping students achieve you know and then by the early 90s you know we had this thing called the internet show up and that was all about information so you know librarians were all about information so the technology came into being and I just love that. I ended up having a very fulfilling career as a teacher. I loved high school English, but that just wasn't where I was destined for for any length of time. And, but ended up, yeah, working in the library and enjoying all the technology. That's awesome. So, what year were you a? Uh, what years were you an English high school English teacher? Um, let's see. I taught. High school English, that would have been like 1971 to 74. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, I just imagine you like. Didn't know I was that old. <laughs> no, that's not it. Or maybe you did. <laughs> During all of that, I taught in a little school and taught high school English and then uh, ended up staying home 10 years. Had my two babies and stayed, was fortunate enough to stay home for several years with them and then uh went back to work was it hard to go back to work work pardon was it hard to go back to work after being home with them for so long 
Well, it, yeah, it, it kind of was. Um, I had, my marriage had not worked, and so I had was a single parent raising two boys and mm-hmm. then you go to work mm-hmm. and uh, that's kind of where of course I looked at the uh, school system mm-hmm. to teach of course because that was my goal right mm-hmm. and, um, you know English teachers back then were a dime a dozen so there were no places open no places in the school libraries at that time and so I had uh, a neighbor actually a dear lady that said we'll go to the public library see. So I got a job there and that kind of started my thinking, oh, well maybe instead of teaching, of course you do a lot of teaching as a librarian yeah. in informal ways. But I start loved public library work, but that was tough. You know, you had to work weekends and a night or two a week and the boys were little. Yeah. And so that was tough. But I kept applying with this local school system, and a couple of years later, was offered offered a school librarian position. That's so cool. Was great, and I stayed in that at various high school, elementary, and then ended up in middle school. Middle school back home is sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Okay. And uh, yeah, I I never thought I wanted to work with middle school kids that age. Because they're they're not really children, children, but they're not full blown teens. Right. I could work, you know. They're like these little mutants. But oh, I. <laughs> well, you know, you've been. Oh, I know. That's why it's so funny. <laughs> but I worked uh, about ten years there as school librarian, and uh, absolutely fell in love with that age group. I, yeah. So, so I retired cool. from a middle school uh, there, but uh, I was, uh, yeah, so I really enjoyed that. I I had so many people that came into my life in various ways, everything from a na- neighbor that um, to this day, I just really value her, and um, educator another teacher I met through the public library that just through, you know, you look back and think, well, she just walked in one day and I said, can I help you? I was sitting at the reference desk and we kind of hit it off and struck up a friendship and through that, you know, she helped me get into the school system and then meeting a fabulous teacher in the first school where I was librarian who encouraged me, almost shamed me into going and taking some computer classes at the local university. And I thought, okay, well, why not, you know? So I signed up for the basic introductory course. And uh, so I went the first night and I was well up in my thirties. And so I wasn't the typical college-age student. And so I went in, the classroom was full, and uh, it was mainly, you know, college-age young people, many of them in, you know, pharmacy students or other science disciplines. And we had to go around and introduce ourselves, and then the the professor started the first lesson. And I was, you know, I had, he could have been talking 
foreign language. I had mm -hmm. no idea. So I sat there, nodded, took a few notes the whole time thinking, well, tomorrow the first thing I'll do is call the registrar's office. I'll drop this. This is way out of my league. So I left and went to work the next morning at the school. And uh, this lovely, lovely friend of mine who taught there at the school was a lady older than me, but we had hit it off and she asked me how the class was, how the computer class was. And so I just laughed. I said, oh no, I'm gonna drop that. And I told her about it. I said, oh no, I'm out of my league. Mm -hmm. She literally shamed me into staying. Oh, I never figured you for a quitter. <laughs> oh no, you need, I mean, she just put the guilt trip, you know. So I stayed. And I kept on, and I read, and I talked with the professor and said, I don't know what's going on. So he was very kind and uh, helped me and gave me some other readings, you know, to get me kind of caught up. Mm -hmm. And so that ended up leading me to uh, really becoming immersed in technology, which is, of course, the way a lot of libraries were going at that time. Mm -hmm. But through that... And through that professor, actually, I ended up writing instructions. Like I said, this was in the dinosaur days. The internet, most people had never heard of the internet. And it was just coming on, you know, the horizon. And mm -hmm. that led me to uh, learning about the internet and um, doing an assistantship at the university and studying technology and writing instruction manuals that was used later at universities around the state. Yeah. yeah. And I ended up doing workshops around in the state. So I, the rest of my career was spent, um, in addition to, you know, the working at the school, mm -hmm. doing workshops on weekends and in the summer and different presentations and being invited places to come and present about different elements of technology. And then, you know, it, uh, school librarianship too so it's but I would have never done that yeah. if my friend my mentor at school that morning hadn't just literally shamed me you know into staying so you know and I just appreciate that and I'm so grateful sometimes we just kind of need a you know kick in the seat of the pants sometimes we do isn't that get out some... of that comfort zone yes get out of that comfort zone oh, so, isn't that amazing I've had, I've had a lot so for somebody that just wanted to be teaching you know shakespeare to seniors in high school or something which i was determined i would do and i knew i would be doing that you know mm -hmm. no those <laughs> at some point i just threw all those lesson plans away <laughs> So I became like full-fledged librarian. I still even retired, still refer to myself as a librarian. It never, it never goes away. That's... But yeah, when I retired, I came up here. And, uh, of course, I had everything sorted out, what I would do. And uh, uh, be up here, of course, first to be with family. And I decided I would, you know, every old retired southern woman should know how to quilt right and uh, to knit or crochet mm -hmm. so i took a quilting class shortly after i moved up here over in rogers at a little shop i can't remember the name of it right now fabulous lady taught it it was a lot of fun and uh, made a quilt 
and that was the first and last quilt I made. <laughs> we had a lot of fun in the class, but it was something about, and I had sewn, I mean, my mother was an excellent seamstress, and so I learned to sew from her, and back as a teenager, sewed clothes for myself that actually looked good, so I was familiar with sewing, but um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, something about buying all those beautiful yards of different kinds of gorgeous fabric and cutting them up, sewing <laughs> them back together, and I, you know, that just like I said, I have one really nice quilt uh, with beautiful colors. I just loved it, and I loved the class. You know that, but no, not quilting. Taught myself how to knit. I wanted to make something really nice for my grandchild who was a baby. And I did that. I made a little blanket and afghan and a little sweater. And no, that just so. In fact, just the other day, I gave away my stash. <laughs> I thought, well, he's 10 now, so I don't think I'm going to anything else. So I don't know. I, you know, that didn't work out. And uh, I just knew I'd be doing that. And I was going to come and volunteer at the public library and maybe volunteer over at Crystal Bridges. You know, I had it all mapped out. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing any of that. Oh, you know, it was, uh, I don't know. I I did uh, work with friends of the library over in Bentonville for a while, you know, as a volunteer. Oh, yeah. A little bit. And I don't know, you know, it just was one of those things that just didn't click. And one day I was kept going down Main Street in Centrogen and every so often I'd, I'd always turn and look at this little church that was there, Methodist Church, and uh, I honestly had not been a big churchgoer in many years. I mm-hmm. was, uh, for numerous reasons, years ago, got kind of disillusioned with organized religion, as I called it. and. Uh, and I don't know, I just kept looking at that little church and looking at that little ch- church and went one Sunday. And uh, anyway, started going there every so often, met people. You know, relationships are real important. Mm-hmm. Go and lots of friendly people there. And uh, ended up joining the church and met my wonder, our wonderful friend, Amy. She said one day, said, you want to come help at the food pantry? So all those plans I made over these past six years have turned into um, really doing a lot for the food pantry. Mm-hmm. And there's many people that do a lot, but um, I used my organizational skills and record-keeping skills and all that kind of thing, and I do a lot of that part for the pantry. and grant writing never thought i'd be doing that in my retirement i did a little bit of grant writing as a librarian years ago and did not enjoy it (laughs) but uh (laughs) uh, you know my volunteer well my volunteer time is Mm -hmm. centered around working with the food pantry and of course especially here during covid and I have maintained some, uh, you know, library work with uh, a couple of library orga- library organizations on the national level that I serve on committees. You know, all, oh, all my meetings are virtual. Yeah. And so I've enjoyed doing that. So I kind of keep my hand in that. That's really awesome. You know? 
Yeah, and then family here, and uh, my older son, like I said, moved here five years ago. I had no idea that would happen, so we were delighted, you know, with that. But I, I look back and think, you know, you really need to stay open to what life may bring your way, because, you know, a lot of, of all my planning and list making and goal setting, you know, I did a lot of it, but some of the big things, you know, really uh, took a, a, a little bit different turn on that. So, absolutely, I've been very lucky, and I had a really good career, and I'm enjoying life here too. You seem really happy with being at the food pantry and doing what you do around yeah. here. And well, just... I am. I'm a I'm a pretty optimistic person. Mm-hmm. My uh, parents were both. Uh, like that, you know, optimistic. In fact, my mother was kind of, uh, you know, things aren't going well, we'll do something about it. But yeah. we don't gripe about it, you know, do take care of it. And uh, my father was like that. Such a, He was such a sweet spirit and a true example of unconditional love. Uh, he practiced all his life, and I think it was probably maybe even after he had passed on in spirit that I really, really understood that and saw that, you know, that that was so much about what he was about. And my mother, too, very giving spirit, and um, she was the real educator. Now, my father, of course, believed in education, but my mother was a fourth-grade teacher all of her teaching her career. Oh, wow, that's and, neat. Uh, yeah. She was all about education and continuing, and really what I call now lifelong learning, even after she retired, there was always something to learn. There was always mm-hmm. something new to explore, another, another adventure, as she would call it, whether it was learning how to, you know, do ceramics or finding an interesting topic and spending, she would keep a little notebook and if she became interested in certain she at one time became very interested in herbs and so she would set her goal for the year of reading everything she could about herbs learning everything she could you know and she often had in a year a certain topic that she was studying you know just informally on her own but doing that and that certainly has rubbed off on me Mm-hmm. She read, both my parents read avidly. I mean, books were everywhere. Uh, reading was important. And uh, my father read uh, Westerns, Zane Gray Westerns. He was more of a Western type. He was pretty stuck on that. Mother was very eclectic in her reading, though. But, you know, I grew up around that, so I guess I, I had to end up either an English teacher or a librarian, I don't know. There's a picture of me. We had in my house, Mm -hmm. fireplace in our living room, there was built-in bookcases on each side. And there's a picture that's been long lost now of me when I was four. And I was arranging the books on the shelves. Oh, that's so cool. You know, Mother had them all arranged like she wanted them. And she heard something in the living room one day and I was pulling books off the shelves rearranging and she wanted it put back wanted them put back like she wanted and, and did 
and I took them down again. And so they finally just said, well, you know, just let her go at it. So <laughs> years later, mother would laugh and say, well, you were a librarian at age four. You were rearranging the books here at house, driving me crazy with all that stuff. So, <laughs> I had a good childhood and had great parents, you know, that really, um, mother was a one, you learn, her kind of motto was you learn, you share what you learn, you lead, and then you learn some more. And uh, so she was very, very influential in my life. And uh, I think that's so valuable to have someone in your life teach be that way and and encourage you to be that way too because it just keeps your brain engaged in right well it's uh first of all it shows you what you know as parents or when well when we're around anybody actually you can have a real influence on people Mm -hmm. maybe even more so than you know but yeah of course i'm a big believer in education Mm mm-hmm so, uh, of course, I get that from her and uh, and from my father, too. And uh, mother went on, she, mother had a master's degree in education. Now, um, daddy, I think, quit school at about eighth grade to help work on the farm. But he was in World War II and oh, wow. uh, was trained there and ended up um, going to university in Ohio at one point doing communications and electronics and and he was one that was always learning and, you know, reading and everything. So he was kind of a, you know, some formal education, but certainly a self-educated too. So that was always, you know, you were always expected to be be able to talk about what book you were reading, what you were studying at the time. So that's, uh, yeah, that's been really, really influential on me. And... Um, and also, you know, learning again, like I mentioned earlier, with age, you kind of learn to uh, be still and listen, be open to what, you know, comes your way. And um, that's been very important and still is yeah. in my life. Yeah. 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 So I want to uh, ask you. Yeah. You would, when you look back at yourself when you were in your 30s and 40s, in comparison to where you are now, what do you think is one thing that you would want to tell yourself back then? Oh. Not to get discouraged so easily. Yeah. And um, that it's going to work out. Yeah. I, I went through some really rough patches in my mid and late 30s, and that just made me think at the time, you know, the world has ended. This just can't be. This right. just can't be. And, you know, everybody has times like that, I imagine, in their lives. And uh, I got very, very discouraged. Again, you know, people come in our lives, mm-hmm. and I believe for a purpose often. Mm -hmm. The mother of uh, my very, very best childhood friend 
to, and we still are friends, um, lifelong friends. Her mother, who I was close to, encouraged me a lot during those times. She had experienced some similar situations, and uh, I admired her a lot. And she was successful in her life, and you know she helped me kind of see through and work through some of that. But yeah, I tell my younger self, you know, don't get so discouraged. Accept and embrace the emotions that you're feeling. It's okay to be mm-hmm. upset. It's okay to be sad. But, you know, we need to move on. And you're here for a purpose and, and keep on. It's, it's, you know, not that it's all necessarily going to be okay right now, but you can work through it and mm-hmm. you can move on. And, you know, some of those life lessons, that, though some of those rough patches are really life lessons. And I agree. Who we are. Of course, that's real easy to say years later. Right, <laughs> right. Not in the that, middle of it. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, it doesn't make you feel any better when you're in the middle of it. No, <laughs> if somebody had told me that back then and said, oh, no, this is just a good way for you to learn a good lesson, you know, I probably would have poked them in the nose. <laughs> <laughs> I know I want to sometimes when people say that kind of stuff Why? when we're going yeah. through rough stuff. But Build character. This will make you strong. Yes. Oh, well, when you're going through it, that's not what you want to hear. No, so. that's not, not what you want to hear at all. So what do you, how do you think teenagers and young adults differ now from when you were a high school teacher? Or do you think their behaviors and things are like about the same? Oh no, they're very different. <laughs> very different. <laughs> they're very different. Unfortunately, some of the the first thing things that pop in my mind are not good things. Yeah. Maybe. We, we have seen a shift. I think almost anybody would agree. Um, you know, th- looking at it from a teacher's point of view. When I was a teenager and then when I was teaching high school, mm-hmm. you know, if you got in trouble at school, if they found out about it at home, you were in trouble at home. That was how it was with me too, yeah. Yeah, and uh, if you said, you know, told a student who was not doing what they were supposed to, acting up or not doing their work, you know, do I need to call home and see about this? You know, back when I was actually teaching high school, that was most of the time, most of the time it would have been, oh no, they don't want you to call mm-hmm. And I don't know, I think we've, in our society, I think we've made our children feel more entitled now, perhaps. And I know I saw um, in middle school when I was there, those last 10 years of my career, you know, it kind of became where if you got in trouble at school and went home and told about it, the parents were calling, jumping on the teacher, mm-hmm. you know, about what are you doing or why'd you upset, you know, and I know that's not always the case. I don't know. I, I am concerned a little bit that our young people feel a little too entitled to things. I agree and, with that. Uh, really positive thing I see is kind of based on the technology that's available. Of course, we know sometimes, you know, a lot of times we all are guilty of too much screen time. Oh, of course, yeah. I can be guilty of that, too. Oh, yeah. But I've I've at least got to work with a lot of young people before I retired that I was just amazed with. You know, we can, uh, with what they could create, taking information, 
turning it into knowledge, mm-hmm. uh, being very versatile, being able to express themselves in amazing ways through, you know, whether it's a YouTube video or uh, writing for a blog they created and, you know, had a wider audience. I saw, you know, our young people are, are just, young people are just amazing. And I often learned more from the, my students sometimes than I taught because I, um, in the school where I was, the librarians were supposed to be kind of the technology people. We were usually the ones sent for training then came back and trained teachers and students. Well, and, that makes uh, sense. I could come. I could come back with you know. Oh, look at this app. Oh, look at this website. Look what it'll do, and then show them. And then students often would take that and just run with it. Yes. You know, and and I would end up learning from the. Oh, how'd you do that? You know, mm-hmm. oh, would you do this? You know, and uh, I kind of miss that part. I miss my students sometimes and that interaction. But it's amazing what young people can do now with uh, global communication and being creative, you know, in so many ways. So ah, 100% yeah. agree with that. Like, I know your Reese is oh gosh. Uh, just into all that kind of thing. He I, is. I, I've hardly seen him for a year now because of COVID. But I know. He's... A few times when I got to talk to him at church briefly um, and ask him about you know what he was doing as far as the technology if you tell me about video you know sometimes he told me things i didn't know what he was talking about and he was very patient in explaining to me <laughs> <laughs> he's used to having to explain it to me too so it's okay <laughs> that's fun no he's Absolutely. he's very very creative and good with that he's actually been earning some money with some games that he's created and it's oh that's wonderful oh no it's so like he's like you want me to teach you mom i was like yeah sure <laughs> i don't know if i'll learn it but sure uh, well and entrepreneurship you yep. know i saw all that blossoming of entrepreneurship over the last few decades i think that's just amazing not long ago i heard about uh, one of my friends back home's uh, granddaughter who's sophomore or junior in high school, not college, high school, you know, that had, um, she's running a little jewelry business on her own, online. That's awesome. She made some of the jewelry, and then I think she, as she's made a little money, she'll purchase some. And she has her own, you know, little online shop. I don't know what platform she's using, but yeah, she's, I think her parents finally, when they paid attention to what she was doing, you know, it was like, oh, I want to sell jewelry. I'll do it online. Oh, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. uh, They kind of saw what she was making money wise, which I don't know what it was, but enough to where they, um, you know, needed to set up a separate bank account. That's so cool. Uh, you know, like I just, I just love hearing something like that. But mm-hmm. you know, the technology is one of the big reasons I think. You know, so many of these kids are excelling like that. Absolutely. And loved, kind of watching your journey. Oh, 
Oh, thank you. You're growing your business online. And and also, I think a mutual friend of ours, Brittany, Mm -hmm. that I've watched, you know, kind of from the side doing that and it, there's so many opportunities now oh you know? yeah and you don't have to also, you don't even have to leave your house no you don't which you is know, great stay, right now with covid i would say well stay at home moms or people that you know you don't have to worry about going and renting an office mm-hmm. or, or renting a storefront you know um like that now Absolutely. ebay and etsy all you know are certainly good examples of that so, what would you say your favorite uh, age was for your kids when they were growing up? My own children? Mm-hmm. It certainly wasn't the teen years. <laughs> it was, let's see. I, uh, I tell parents of teenagers, I, I remember it was like riding a really high, fast roller coaster. Oh, Yes. Up and down, up and down, and up and down. And uh, and my boys are two diff- very, very different personalities. You know, God couldn't give me two that were very similar. So they, okay, I know how to handle them. But anyway, um, I would let's see. I would think probably mid and later elementary mm-hmm. grades. You know, they're. You know, they can entertain themselves a little bit more, and they're able to do a little bit more on their own. And uh, as a friend of mine one time said, and they've become a little more interesting. Yeah, they do. They do. They can have a little bit more interesting conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, of course, I loved holding my babies when they were baby babies. Oh, of course. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing beats that. the place of that. No. It's physically demanding, you know, when they're little. But, yeah, I think that mid to late elementary and then the next best time with children is when they're grown up, maybe in their 20s, early 20s, mid 20s, sometime late 20s, that they suddenly realize you actually know something. Hey, actually, might have something worthwhile to tell them. You're an actual person. What? You're an actual person, and they come to you finally for advice. Because you know, about 13 or 14, they most teens, just parents, are the stupidest people. Oh yes. And so, uh, but that'll change. That's encouragement for you, teens, and other parents. Uh, most of them, once they get a little older and out on their own, will suddenly realize, oh, mom might know something about that, or dad might know something about it. And if you're really, really lucky, sometimes, usually after their teens, they might actually one day actually thank you for something you did. <laughs> I hope so, but I'm not going to cross my fingers. <laughs> and if you're extra, extra, Lucky, they might even apologize. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I gave you such a hard time back when I was 16. <laughs> I had to apologize to my parents. I don't know that they all do that, but, <laughs> uh, but I, I've known that personally, and I've um, known with friends, and you know, but they have to get up and up probably about the 30s where they feel like have some children of their own, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, because <laughs> I'm not above looking at my son who 
had, you know, his father to my grandchild. Every now and then, you know, we'll look at him and go, mm-hmm. what, you know, what comes around goes around, son. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know probably all parenting books say you shouldn't say that. But what do they know? just can't help it sometimes. No. <laughs> raising children mm-hmm. don't worry that phase at one point will end and you'll go into another phase and it'll yeah. be hard too but it'll be at least something different <laughs> yeah it may not be easier but it'll be different <laughs> no not necessarily easier but you know at least it's a change yeah uh, for sure so now yeah now we can we can do that but yeah but yeah my heart just goes out to all the parents of teenagers you know Absolutely, no matter where you live, where you are. <laughs> Things are not easy. I, I do have to brag on Reese for a minute because he is a, he's a pretty good kid for the most part. Yes, I know your boys are good. Even the good ones, though, can be quite challenging. Quite challenging. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, you have a good husband. They have a yes, good daddy. Absolutely. I, that's wonderful. Yes, yeah. Definitely yeah. blessed. And don't tell Rusty I said that. Oh, I, I won't. Get the big head. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have brothers and sisters growing up? I have uh, one sister. Oh. One sister. No brothers. So it was just me and my sister. And uh, I'm the oldest. I'm the older one by six years. And. Oh, okay. uh, she drove me crazy growing up. She was six years younger. So you think about when I was 10, she was four. Yeah. And mother would, you know, that's when, you know, on the af- in afternoons and on the weekends, you stayed outside playing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you didn't stay in the house. And uh, so mother would make me take my four-year-old sister with me to bike ride or wherever I went out in the neighborhood. And at 10, you know, you're trying to be kind of independent. So mm-hmm. uh, I called her a brat then. I still actually call her a brat. <laughs> but think about six, that six years difference. Um, so when I was 16, she was 10. Mm-hmm. Well, try dating with a bratty 10-year-old sister, you know. Oh, gosh. And, uh, we, um, yeah, I was probably not the best big sister because she just irritated me often. <laughs> but once I went off, I, I did go off to college about 30 miles away um, and stayed in the dorm. And it was like after I left home, uh, we became, we like missed each other and really became close. Mm-hmm. And uh, then through our adulthood, we, we've been very, very close. And um, she uh, lives out of state uh, with her husband, and she has two boys, too, a little younger than mine. Um, she, she and I are pretty different temperament-wise and interest-wise. She's an artist. amazing artist uh, and has worked in several different fields. She got that from mother. Mother was very artistic. I got none of that. (laughs) My dad can draw and I got none of that too, so I get it. (laughs) Seriously, I got none of it. 
so I was always kind of jealous of that. But yeah, I had a sister, and uh, we uh, once we both were up and married and lived for a short time in the same town, but then she moved away, and later I moved away, and so we've been not geographically close, but, um, you know, um, very closest siblings and, and all, and uh, so I, I value her greatly. Sometimes when I get a little too uh, wired up and tense about something, she's the one to you know, talk me down off the ledge, you know, kind of. And That's so great. So, yeah, I love my sister. I love my sister dearly. That's kind of how me and my siblings, I have two sisters and a brother, and that's kind of how we yeah. were. We couldn't stand each other growing up, and then once we all became adults and our parents moved off to do their own things, and it was just us, and we just, that's who we hate. That's who I hang out with now is my my family, my brother and my sisters. So right. I, I love them to death. Like they, we are so close and I just cherish, I cherish it so much. Well, I really do too. My sister just means the world to me. And gosh, during today with everything we're going through with this pandemic and being isolated and just all the other upheaval in the world, mm-hmm. you know, Something that's very comforting to me is with all the chaos going on and difficulties, you know, to know my sister's still there, you know, my cousin is still there, my very, very best friend is still there, that's our county's family, you know, because that's that's always, you know, to me, always. Right. And um, I think we need to remember that in spite of any differences we may have. Absolutely. My sister and I have different thoughts on things uh, sometimes, but you know, you, you just, as the years go by, you either decide you're not going to talk to each other anymore, or you decide, okay, well, that's the way you feel about it, that's the way I feel about it, and we'll along and move on. Yeah, agree to disagree and move on. We talk about That's right. Yeah. That's right. And, and do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and not, you know, have a little bigger have a little wider vision of relationships with people and uh, with what's going on like that. Uh, So was it weird for you to start living alone after your children moved out and that new phase of life or empty nest and? No. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want me to be real honest? Oh, yes, I cried every night. <laughs> now, I love my sons. I love of course them. you do. I really love them. Now y'all know exactly why I love this woman right here. <laughs> but, you know, you you raise them. You parent them. You try to teach them in all the ways. And your goal that whole time from the time they're born is to get them up and on their own and mm-hmm. independent and find what their purpose in life is and their talents and everything. And then they, you know, they need to move on. Yeah. You know, you, know, you, want, them to, you want to stay close and you want to stay in t- touch and I want to know what all they're doing. Right. But um, I 
didn't experience empty nest syndrome. It was sad seeing each one leave, you know, it's like, oh, this is really good. But no, and I think a lot of that was at that time, I was very busy with a career. Yeah. I was very busy with a career. And so I had plenty to do. Now, if I was, you know, not working and at home and they were leaving, I know that would probably have been very different. Yeah. That would have been very different. But that makes yeah, sense. So, no, I can't claim to have had emptiness. Some people don't, you know, it's just everybody's different. My sons might not like to hear that, but I, do. <laughs> <laughs> I think they know it. But, um, you know, but they got out and started doing their own thing. So that was, you know, mm-hmm. that was okay. I, I kind of want to ask them what it was like to have you as a mom. Oh dear! There's <laughs> no telling what they would say. <laughs> I'm sure it would all be good. I'm sure you are oh, fun. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. You you know you do. You have to remember as a parent, and again, you don't really see this till years later, and you look back because in the you know in the middle of it all, it's like. It can be so wild, but I think I think many of us hopefully do the best we can mm-hmm. with what we have and who we are, and hopefully don't do too much damage. <laughs> that is so true. You know, and uh, nobody's perfect. You know, if you could go back and redo, you know, all that, you think, oh, I would have been this different or that different, but none of us are. Perfect. No, none of us are perfect. And you know what? If we had, if we could go back and redo it, I mean, would we really? Because I really think that we enjoy the people that our kids grow up to be. And yeah. all of those experiences are part of that. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, our experiences through the years make us who we are now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's kind of a trite cliche, but. It they is. Really do you know? They really do. You know, I, I want to tell tell you as still children, parent with children at home, and and other parents that might be listening to this. Remember during those really tough times? I'm again thinking of kind of like two years and the tween years leading up to that. Remember, never give up on them. Never, no matter what they're saying, no matter how big the fit. Even when they leave home, if they just, you know, decide they're going to be on their own and uh, whatever they may be doing, you know, remember, don't ever give up on them. Even if they're upset with you or don't want to talk to you, reach out every so often and let them know you're still there. If they want, you know, uh, I know there's lots of different situations with people and family members that can make it very, very difficult. I think in most situations, even though if you kind of have to pull back at times, still don't give up on them. Mm-hmm. You know, let them reach out in some way every so often, just, I'm here. I'm thinking yeah. of that may be all they'll listen to, you know, but just remember, don't ever give up on them. And because um, most of them grow up to be at some point wonderful 
human beings, you know, mm-hmm. even though you're ready to pinch their heads off sometime <laughs> when they're at home. <laughs> I agree with that 100%. Thank you for that advice. That is wonderful yeah, advice. Yeah. Just have to remember it, <laughs> like you said yeah. when they're... <laughs> oh, yeah, like that. Well, well, I love to watch you and Rusty with your boys. I look forward to when we can be physically in person, you know, yes. again and... Oh my gosh, we were driving by the church the other day and we both at the same time were like, we miss church. Yes. (laughs) We miss going and being and being with our people. Oh, exactly right. Because I still, I often refer to, you know, church members, my church family. Yes, exactly. uh, That's exactly what they are. I look forward to that and Mm -hmm. I've enjoyed doing this with you today. I've enjoyed it as well. Thank you so much. On the podcast, I know they're just going to be hearing us, but we're actually doing this on Zoom, so I'm actually able to see you, which is still not as good as being in person. I know, but it is good to see you. It is (laughs) very nice. (laughs) Thank you so much, Elizabeth. I appreciate you. I've enjoyed it. Thank you, Amanda. You're very welcome.